Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What a save from Mark Howard. Connor O'Keefe, currently free agent. Welcome to the pod. I'll make sure I got that bit in there <laughs> for a bit of advertisement. You walk in at Loughborough and then you got Adam Peaty one side of you. Dylan White, the other side of you, Anthony Joshua trains there now. You go in the gym and you see elite Olympic athletes training. You are an absolute flames here. Could he be our first guest to get 100%? Well, to be fair, when I was in Spain, education wasn't my priority. Yeah, like, of course. <laughs> we, we did really well in the Copa del Rey. We had Real Madrid home and away. Like, I went to the Bernabeu with a team. Like, I got an offer to go and play in Gibraltar. I think I actually kicked the ball onto the runway once. <laughs> <laughs> I have had comments on mine where it's like, when you order Ben Foster off Wish, which was pretty much fair <laughs> enough, I think. We won the league that year. We got promoted into the third tier. Oh, coldest day I had, minus 29. Coldest outdoor training session I did, minus 16. There's a lot of room, I think, for kind of goalkeeping an- analysis within media. What a save from Mark Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard, and my mate, producer Ben. Today, I'm very excited to, to a very well-travelled goalkeeper. It's probably the best way of putting it. Uh, Connor O'Keefe. Currently free agent. Welcome to the pod. I'll make sure I got that bit in there for a bit of advertisement. That. Good shout. Cheers. Thank you, Mark. No, no thank, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I've been really enjoying listening to them and following it. So pleasure to be on. Thank yeah. you. As I said, Connor's had a, a very varied uh, introduction to football and travelled through education mainly. Uh, he's got a, a huge following on YouTube, uh, a great coaching tool uh, for a lot of young people to go out and watch. Please make sure you go follow his socials and subscribe to his YouTube channel as well. As I said, you've had a very varied upbringing. Uh, let's start right from the beginning then. Mm. Uh, what was the first moment that you ever put a pair of gloves on? Uh, I've played in goal for as long as I can remember. I'm, my little brother is only about a year and a half younger than me, and he liked to shoot and I liked to jump around in the mud. So it worked really well from the beginning. Someone has to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, to be fair, if I was the younger one, I'd probably get pushed in, but I wanted to go in goal. I wanted him to shoot at me. And I mean... Growing up in Macclesfield, northwest of England, a lot of rain, a lot of mud. That was what we were doing pretty much every day after school. Even when we were kids, before we went to school, we would play football in the house. Mum would be shouting at us, the typical story of goalkeepers. But hopefully we, did, yeah, hopefully we didn't break too much because I was making saves. So, <laughs> But no, it's, uh, I've always played in goal, always loved making saves and, and gone from there, really. And then from that then, obviously the first time you, you've realised that you wanted to do this as a profession, but uh, as a kid you would have found a Sunday league team. Yeah, I mean, I was probably quite late to realizing that I actually wanted to do this full time and as a as a professional, so to speak. Like growing up, I did all the kind of football in the community camps. I played at school, at primary school. I, I was at Crew Alexandra when I was about ten. That was my first experience of kind of academy football and and a professional setup, and I hated it. At ten years old, I really didn't enjoy it. It was really strict, really disciplined. We had to keep diaries on on kind of our training and games and what we ate, which is brilliant when you're a bit older but at 10 years old I just wasn't ready for it and when I got to the point that I was playing Man United and not enjoying it I kind of realized maybe something time to do something different so I came out played Sunday league uh, with my mates team called Bollington United played outfield 
just kind of found my love for it again. And then uh, joined Macclesfield Town when I was about 12, which was my like local team, kind of League Two at the time. And just followed it all the way through then, carried on through the Centre of Excellence, youth team, and then kind of 18, 19, I just kept being kept on at all these stages. And that's when I realised, actually, maybe I could kind of do this as a, as a full-time thing. Uh, obviously, you came through at Macclesfield then. Was, was there a moment that you actually thought, yes, this is, this is me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it at Macclesfield? Or was there always uh, an element in your mind, I, I had to look for education or I need to look at a, a different move away to, to progress my own career? It's funny because they're actually married together almost. So I was coming through school and I really enjoyed school. I, I was one of those weirdos that actually liked maths and English and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed school and I enjoyed my football and I wanted to carry on doing both. So when we got to 16 and they start handing out youth team scholarships, I'm kind of faced with a little bit of a choice because normally at 16 years old with professional clubs, like you know, you, you get offered a scholarship and it means you have to leave school and you complete a BTEC, you're an apprentice at the club, you're paid by the club and it's your first beginning in full-time football. A, a BTEC's like a sports degree, but you kind of learn a bit of everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With the other uh, lads in your age group. And everyone time. in your team will do it, uh, but it's a bit of a... It's a course for a course's sake almost. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, this, it's the thing that you have to do so that you can do the football yeah. is almost how it feels amongst the lads at the time. And when I was 16, I didn't want to leave school. I wanted to do my A-levels as well. Um, I wanted to, to carry on my education. And uh, my parents also said how important that was, that obviously a football career, anything can happen. You need something as well. So I was really fortunate that the club and my school actually agreed to let me to continue doing my A-levels within the sixth form. Um, so what I used to do is I used to train in the morning with everyone and then I'd leave, I'd leave football uh, at lunchtime and then go to school for the wow. afternoon. And uh, I did three A-levels. I did maths, English literature, uh, business economics. Um, and everyone said to me, you won't be able to do the two. Yeah, that's a lot to juggle at that age. Yeah, they said you'd fail your A-levels. You won't get a pro. It'll be a, a car crash. But I was really lucky that I had the support from the school, my club, my family. And, and I actually managed to do the two together. And um it was actually at that point where I kind of realized I came out the other side of it. I got offered to be kept on at Macclesfield. I got two A's and a B in my A-levels. I was like, yes, it all paid off. And that was the point where I thought, right, football's what I want to do full time. And it was actually <laughs> that stage where it went wrong almost because I thought I've done the hard work now. I can just cruise and play football. Yeah. So I would turn up to training on time. I'd leave when everyone left and I didn't do any extra. And that's when it started to drop on the football side. I actually saw that I was more productive when I had other stuff to do. Yeah. I worked harder at both of it and was more successful. So when I only had football was probably when I was in my worst performance state. Almost in a comfort zone. Exactly. Of feeling like I made it when I was a third choice goalkeeper at 19, not even playing for the first team. What and happened from that then? So I had like a few loan moves playing small games in different non-league clubs out of Macclesfield. And at the end of the year, I mean, they were really struggling with with finances at the time anyway but I wasn't going to be kept on and it was almost a wake-up call where I was like oh right okay I need to get back on that if I want to be a pro <clears throat> excuse me if I want to be a pro I need to apply that work ethic whatever I'm doing and I was really fortunate because I'd done my A-levels I'd gone through the whole UCAS process at my school I'd applied for universities even though I thought oh, I'm never going to do that I'm going to play football and I'd had an offer from Loughborough University and mum and dad said to me, go and have a look, see what it's like. I didn't want to go. I was talking to trying to find a club, an under 23, something like that. And um, I went down to Loughborough and I saw the facilities and the setup at Loughborough. And it was, it blew my mind. It was like a, a football league club. The yeah, football I've been there. to Loughborough on a pre-season training camp and it, yeah. the, in, the facilities are incredible. You're actually blown away of like the sports, like the level that they've gone to in details and the professionalism of it all. And it was a brilliant thing for me to almost bring me back down to earth again in terms of you walk in at Loughborough and you feel like, yeah, okay, I'm coming into the first team football program, feeling big. And then you've got Adam Peaty one side of you, Dylan White, the other side of you, Anthony Joshua trains there now. You go in the gym and you see elite Olympic athletes training and you think, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm nowhere level. near that. So to be in that environment with so many elite level performers in so many different sports, again, was another eye-opener. Okay, if I want to make it, I've got to be right on it all the time. So I did a, an international business degree at Loughborough and I played in the football program. I was with the first team. We, we played books, which was like the inter-university competition, but we also played non-league. It was quite unique that Loughborough were a part of the non-league too. So we played FA Cup, FA Trophy, uh, FA Vars, sorry, yeah. like all those kind of games. So it was brilliant for me at that age, 19 to kind of 22, 23, I was playing so many games. And how often are you training? 
we uh, we'd train we'd be in the gym two three times a week normally early before lectures beginning at 9 a.m we'd train as a team two three times a week we'd have goalkeeper sessions apart from that we'd have two or three games a week so it was an intense program alongside doing a degree yeah like it was really full-on but another i almost had that experience of managing my time from earlier that i could almost thrive in that environment and i learned so much with snc nutrition psychology like being in that environment i learned so much more as an athlete obviously typical university they say that it's like going out every night of the week but yeah. because you're surrounded by these elite athletes yeah. is it a total different type of university um, is the mindset different yeah i mean i'm sure a lot of loughborough alumni will tell you they still go hard when they can especially the rugby boys but the uh the uh environment there you know what you've got to do if you want to be performing you have so many examples and so many role models who are doing it at the top level of whatever sport um that you can really see if you want to go out you're going to really struggle and you probably won't be involved in the program for that long if you're going to really keep going at it so is it quite harsh like that no i mean performance is key yeah. but you can see the ones that have, that come in really enthusiastic and then lean towards the more traditional university career almost so um, there have been lads that have gone from Loughborough to carry on playing in the Football League who have done really well. I mean, Sam Minahan was at, at Stockport last season. Um, we had the guy, uh, George, I can't remember his surname, sorry, at MK Dons. We've had quite a few that have gone into Football League. So it's it's, uh, it's, it's uh, a bit of a unique one because not many people think that you can go to uni and then carry yeah, on that way playing professional football afterwards. Exactly. Right, before we carry on and your first move abroad, then, yeah. let's start with a quiz. Oh, I love it. Goalie or no goalie? Right, so I've got 10 names written down, Yeah, five of which are actual international current goalkeepers, yeah. whether they've played or not, yeah. but they're in the squads, uh, and are five made-up names from around the world, or, Super. or trick question, basically. Okay. So one point for each answer. Actually, uh, I think we've got a new leader as well, haven't we? Have we? I think so, yeah. yeah. What, uh, what did he end up on? Eight, I think, oh. to beat. Four, I, thought, I thought it was four seven. Four is bottom, and oh. eight is top. So... <laughs> Go right. for nine then. Yeah, exactly. Set yourself. Well, you've played it. You've played a lot around Europe. You might have heard of a lot more of these names. That's true. Maybe you might well, have done. Probably right? not. <laughs> uh, listeners can head over to YouTube and follow our leaderboard uh, and play along live as well. Right, number one, Dogan Alemda. <laughs> no idea. Um, <laughs> I told you, I'm out to trick you. Goalie. He is a goalie. Turkey and Wren's goalie. Love it. Here he is. Look. Oh, nice. Go on, Doga. Drastic haircut halfway through his career. Yeah. Number two, Matthias Lamouge. Lamouge. Mm, goalie again. He is a goalie. Great start. Faroe Islands goalie. Oh, yes. Some rascal haircuts in the goalie community, by the way. Yeah. Everyone go check these ones Everyone out. Everyone likes to stand out. Right. Number three, Kazuyoshi Miura. No goalie. No goalie. He is the world's oldest footballer. The 55-year-old ah, in Japan, yeah. still playing professional football. What a legend. What a legend. That's my aim. Oh, yeah. You'll <laughs> make that. That's my aim. He looks a lot younger than me already. <laughs> three out of three. Great start. Love it. Right, number four. Carl Hein. Mm, goalie. He is a goalie. Estonia and Arsenal goalkeeper. I have no idea of any of these. I'm fluking my way <laughs> through it. You are absolutely on fire here. Go on, Carl. This is the best start ever. <laughs> 100% record so far, right? Number five, Michael Edwards. Michael Edwards. Uh, no goalie. He is not a goalie. Nice. More famously known as Eddie the Eagle. Oh, no way. Yeah. Absolute legend. That is a good trick question. Yeah. Half of these names I do put in there to try and throw you off. You yeah, might recognize some of them. So, number six, Rocky Marciano. Ah, oh, no goalie. Yeah, he knows him, he knows him. Big boxer, Rocky Marciano. I thought you might be too young. Ah, no, legend. Absolute legend of the heavyweight world. Yeah. What, you want here? Six out of ten. Superb. Six out of six so far. Keep yeah. it rolling. Excellent. Number seven, Ivan Prividel. Goalie. He is a goalie. Yes. Italy and Lazio goalkeeper. Oh, nice. You are an absolute flames here. Come on. Could he be our first guest to get 100%? Yeah, let's go for it. Number eight. Academics. Musali Al-Muhammad. Goalie. No goalie. Oh, killer. He is Ronaldo's new boss. He is the president of Al-Nazar. Ah, oh, man. I'm gutted about that. 
Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, of course. You, how, how were you meant to know that? <laughs> still got a first place opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Number nine, Aubrey Graham. Aubrey Graham. No goalie. No goalie. It's Drake. Ah, that's Drake's real name. Love it. I had no idea. I bet he hates getting called Aubrey. Yeah, he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> I yeah. bet he hates it. If he was in an English dressing room, it'd just be Audrey. Yeah. Oh, it would be. <laughs> Imagine the banter he'd get off that. <laughs> Aubrey. Lovely. Number 10. Finish it off then. Come on now. You already joint top. Marius Adot. Marius Adamonis. Adam. Oh, I can't even pronounce this one. Adamonis. Adamonis. Oh, that's better. Uh, goalie. He is a goalie. Yes. Lithuania and Lazio. Another Lazio goalkeeper. Love it. Nine out of ten. That is a very impressive. Booyah. I don't very see good. many people beating this, by the way. Love for university, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, get it. yourself down there. Everyone make sure you get a proper education. <laughs> this is what can happen. <laughs> Win some rogue goalie games. Oh, I love it. Right, so from Macclesfield, you said that you had a few loan moves yeah. uh, before you went out to, to, to Madrid to learn, to further uh, yeah. your education. That was great fun. Like, I mean, again, such a unique uh, situation. So part of my university degree at Loughborough was in our third year, we had to either do a year work placement or a year study abroad. And I, all my mates were going to work in, in London or whatever and all these big corporations. And I was thinking, if I go work full time, I'm going to find it hard to keep this progression that yes. I'm, I'm going with with my football. And I'm, I, my ultimate aim was to get back into professional football when I finished at Loughborough. So I always fancied playing abroad. I always thought this might be quite cool. So it just seemed like a really good opportunity to use that structure to try and play some football abroad. And I looked at where Loughborough were linked with different universities. And I saw that they were linked with a university in Madrid. And I thought, well, I grew up watching... It's a no-brainer. I grew up watching Revista de la Liga. I loved Casillas. Yep. Like not being the biggest goalie myself, he was a massive role model for me. And I thought, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a go. So... Did the whole uni kind of application, got accepted into that university for the year. And then it was about finding a club. And I mean, I couldn't speak Spanish. Uh, never, Obviously never played in Spain before, didn't have an agent. And I was like, well, where do we go from here? And basically sat down with my girlfriend, who very fortunately can speak Spanish. And we basically said, right, we're going to set up a, an Excel spreadsheet and we're going to put in every club that's within an hour of the university. And so that went from kind of Real Madrid Atletico Madrid. Everyone. I've, or, watched, the, I've watched your YouTube channel. Yeah, exactly. All the way along. to like the fifth tier. And we just made this spreadsheet and it was like manager, goalie coach, email address, address, telephone number. And I just peppered it like all summer, got nothing back. And I was like, right, okay, what are we going to do now? So then we were like, well, let's book a flight. Let's book an Airbnb, hire a car. Let's just drive around them all. So that's what we did. Me, my girlfriend, my dad, we just drove to all of these different... Just trying uh, to create your own clubs. opportunity. Yeah, trying to get a, just trying to get an option. And... I wrote out these kind of handwritten letters in Spanish. Frankie translated it for me, uh, basically explaining who I was, why I was there. And I put them in a, in a gold envelope because I thought if someone gives you a gold envelope, you're going to have a look. Like if it's a brown well, envelope. One yeah, if exactly. If it's a brown envelope, you probably chuck it in a bin, figures a bill. But I thought if it's in a gold envelope, it's going to be cool and cost me an arm and a leg in Ryman's. Like they're not, they're not cheap, those gold <laughs> envelopes. But yeah, we, we basically drove around all these different clubs, handing out these gold envelopes, getting a lot of funny looks off off these Spaniards and a lot of no's, but eventually managed to get the opportunity to do pre-season at, at Raya Bayacano, which is a pretty big club a in big Madrid. Club. Yeah, they've been in La Liga or second division. They basically they were in the second division at the time, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, I think they're in La Liga at the minute. Yep. Like, uh, And I did pre-season with them. That's amazing. unbelievable. And then basically from being there, just kind of word got out that I was around and I ended up with a club called uh, Fuenlabrada for yep. the season. And, and they, they were in the third tier at the time. And uh, yeah, basically joined them as like a as third choice goalie, the young goalie, but a brilliant experience for me to learn a different style of football. Um, my goalie coach was brilliant. The two goalies in front of me, one of them had been at Real Madrid, like Cadena and, and Paul Freixinet had been at Mercia and, and Espanyol and these different places. And I could just learn so much from them, uh, learn Spanish, learn the kind of that way of playing. And for me, not being the biggest goalie, it was a great opportunity for me to develop my technique and um yeah just had the best year there oh obviously you say you, you looked up to casillas yeah uh, with your size how tall are you um six foot <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. in studs on concrete yeah, yep, exactly. of course but obviously you've made the most out of everything that you've got and the, all the tools that you do have yeah. by 
uh, idolizing mm. a role model mm. like Casillas, who was never mm. the biggest, no. but what he could offer, his speed and his agility and his reading of the game, you've had to develop all your skills to make the most of everything you've got. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and when I was a kid, I got it all the time. You're not big enough. You'll never be a goalie and, and you'll never be a pro. And, and, and when I was younger, it really got to me and I found it really difficult. But as I got older, I thought, well, I can't do anything about it. It's yep. not like I've made a choice. It's like I've been given something and I have advantages that other goalies don't have. So it's about me maximizing those advantages as much as possible, yep. minimizing the things where I might be perceived to be weaker and showing that on the pitch when I train, when I play. And seeing goalies like Valdez, Casillas, Bartes, all these goalies that were kind of under six foot, but absolutely smashing it, winning World Cups, yep. best goalie in the world. On the continent, they're a lot more open yeah, to for that sure, as well. For sure. And I mean, when I was in Spain, I never got asked. No one asked how tall I was. Whereas when I was here growing up, it was everything that I got. Before I even got on the pitch, people were talking about it. So it almost gave me a chance to prove myself as a goalkeeper. Brilliant, yeah. And then once I could start to build a CV, show that I've performed at these different levels, suddenly now at my age, people aren't really talking about it anymore because yeah. they didn't see what I've done. Yeah. So that's the difference, really. Uh, obviously, your education was the main priority in mm, Spain, but how mm. did you juggle all of that, living in a new place, learning a new language, as well as playing for a new football to team? To be fair, when I was in Spain, education wasn't my priority. Wasn't like, of course. I'd go to training in the morning, like try and smash that, just learn as much as possible, and then I'd go do my classes in the afternoon. And to be fair, when you do the study abroad, the Erasmus year, it's a bit of a lighter year. Most people do it, and they're kind of off traveling and, and visiting all these places. I just use my time playing football. And um, But, I mean, like I say, it kind of reflected again. I'd had that experience of balancing football and academics. I could I could do that. So um, although my priority was the football, I still obviously had to get the job done with, with school. But it was exactly the same. Training in the morning, drive back to school in the afternoon and, and just crack on. And while you were out there then, you started your own YouTube channel. You started mm, vlogging. Yeah. Uh, and you started your journey almost yeah, on YouTube. Exactly. Uh, obviously, I, I've followed you in more recent years as you've become a lot more like globally well known. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I've gone back and watched some of the old archive stuff, and it's brilliant to watch actually. Yeah, uh, and it's it's so insightful into that world or how difficult it actually is and some of the trials and tribulations that you do go through. Well, I mean, to be honest, when you told me that you watched the first one, I was horrified because I know in front of camera how awkward I was, how like stumbling over my words, umming and ah in, but. My whole kind of thought process was I was in this country and I was doing pre-season with this team and I'd never been there before. And like, I didn't get given that. I'd made it. And I thought, if I was a kid, I would have loved to see that you could do that, that you didn't need to be at Man United to make a career, that you didn't need an agent, that you didn't need to even speak the language. But if you wanted to go out, create something, you could do it. So I almost thought, right, I'm just going to literally just document this year, anything that happens, and I'm going to show like you say, how I'm doing it, how I'm trying to, no kind of, no faking it, no pretending to be anything I'm not, just literally saying, I'm trying to make a career in this. You'll see it when I do really well and you'll see it when I mess up. And hopefully you'll enjoy that process and you'll learn something along the way. So yeah, that's where it started. And I'm sure in the beginning, it was probably just my mum watching and no one really cared. But I was just, just about to ask that. There. Obviously, you'd maybe started it to, to document people back home. Yeah. Uh, family, friends and that. And then yeah. it, it just grew and grew. I mean, I remember the goalie coach at the club being finding it. And he was like, what's this? Like, why are you doing it? Because especially in football, it's changing now. But back then it was a little bit like you don't really do anything like that. And I remember telling him, oh, it's a it's a project for my uni. It's like a, a diary oh. that I have to keep on my year abroad. And then he was really into it. But like, um, yeah, in the beginning, no one watching, but then obviously starts to pick up like you're seeing with this now, like the goalkeeping community is so tight and so together that they'll always support you if you're trying to do something positive and help other people. So, yeah, that, that's where it's from. And, and looking back now and seeing how far we've come and how many people follow the channel and, and the community we've built around it, it's, uh, it's amazing. I'm so glad people enjoy that that thing. From your experience in Spain then, uh, obviously you didn't go straight back to Loughborough, did you? Well, that, I mean, I finished that year and I had to go back. Oh, did you have to yeah, go back? Yeah, I had okay. to go back and finish my degree. I had one year left in my degree. And okay. I mean, I'd had such an amazing year. Like, we, we did really well in the Copa del Rey. We had Real Madrid home and away. Like, I went to the Bernabeu with a team. Like, all this kind of stuff, which was almost kind of pinched me. Like, yep. uh, three months ago, I didn't have a club and no one wanted me. That's amazing. <laughs> and I could yeah. do all this stuff. And then, literally, I kind of want, I want to stay here. I want to keep going. But... That's what I, I was going to ask you. Did, yeah. they, did they try and keep you? Well, I mean, I'd spoken with them and I'd spoken with other clubs. I'd loved the kind of Spanish football. I'd learned a lot. But then I thought about it and I thought, I've done three quarters of my degree. Uh, I spoke with the university. There wasn't a way that I could continue to do it uh, remotely. 
So I thought it, it would be a waste for me to not finish that off. And I mean, again, it was a, another good year to be back in at Loughborough, developing in the facilities there and in, in that environment. So that's what I did for that last year. And uh, and yeah, finished my, my degree for that final year. And then straight away from finishing your degree. Yeah. Uh, obviously being uh, a free agent, so yeah. to say. How tough is that when you're trying to look again? Obviously, you've been through that process. Yeah, really before. hard. And I mean, I think I was probably a little bit like, well, I'll just go back to Spain. Like someone will want me. And again, like it doesn't always work out like that. I mean, goalies will realize as you get older in your career, sometimes you think something's going to happen and then something just comes out of the blue. And I mean, I, I started looking at all these random different places, Scotland at one point, playing in England again. Just And I literally just wanted to find anywhere to play. I yeah. just wanted to play. And I got an offer to go and play in Gibraltar, which is, for those that don't know, like a really small, almost foreign territory of the UK at yep. the bottom of Spain. And it, the Gibraltarian kind of league is is very unique. There's 12, 12 clubs, but only one pitch. So you all play at the same place, um, like a tiny, tiny place. It's got an airport behind one goal and then the kind of famous Gibraltar rock behind the other goal. So you could be taking a goal kick and you got an airbus like landing. I've played on that pitch Have before, yeah. It's mad, isn't it? It is mad. I think I actually kicked the ball onto the runway once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. And I mean, I, I just looked at it and I thought the good thing with Gibraltar was you had the chance to get into the Europa League because it's a, it's a top European division, yeah. but only 12 teams. I think the top three got European football. No way. So again, kind of thinking about it mathematically, I was like, well, I've got a good chance of actually getting into Europe here at kind of whatever I was, 23. And so I went and I played there. Great for so many different reasons, not so great for other reasons, but the first kind of experience of being a number one and playing all the time, which I hadn't actually had. I'd been the young keeper yeah. and learning, learning. So I just needed to find somewhere to play. And uh, yeah, had a season playing there as a number one, which was ace. And then in March, that was the pandemic and everything shut down, season suspended and just kind of had to reset again after that. After so many difficulties, uh, I've done that myself. I've been mm. released off mm. lots of clubs and that. It, it's not easy to go out and reprove yourself, reinvent yourself no. uh, and just keep knocking on the door yeah. almost. Yeah. How how tough is it at times? Yeah, really tough. And I mean, I think now I'm, I'm a bit older. I'm so used to it. I've had so many rejections, like you say, in different formats. And I've learned that actually I can, I can do things in a different way. I've proved that with kind of the academic side, with the golden envelopes, like... I, I felt like I can think outside the box and I can create stuff. I think a lot of football is you have to do things this way. And more and more people are seeing, actually, if you can be a little bit different, that helps you. So, But it doesn't stop it being hard. Whenever you're without a club, whenever there's that uncertainty, you always feel, even now, you feel like, oh, okay, what's going to do? But you, you need to just crack on and, f and find out a way to get going. Obviously, while you were still out in Gibraltar mm. uh, and before you came back, were you still vlogging? Were you still producing yeah. as much content? Uh, yeah. Also, did you find that some clubs were put off by that or yeah. attracted to it? Um, changes. Funnily enough, as it gets bigger, people get more, <laughs> they enjoy it a little bit more. I think in the beginning, this was before Ben Foster. This was before yes. anything like that. So no one was really doing it. And I think the concept people can feel like, oh, that's a bit weird. Why are you doing that? Why are you, make, why are you vlogging yourself? But I think as soon as anyone actually watched the content that we were making, they were realizing it wasn't some kind of, narcissistic self-promotion it was i'm trying to show what i'm learning to yeah. try and help other people to develop and we we were always very honest with when things went wrong if i got beat five nil which we did in gibraltar i'd show that game yeah and i'd be like maybe i could have done better with this but I'm better, better with that and and we tried to use it to learn at the same time if i was in team of the week or winning it would be in there too so we never made it a this is just connor's great channel of course it was a we wanted it to be really honest and true all the way through so um, I think once people realized that, they realized it was it was something which could help. And and as I've gone through, clubs have realized actually they can tap into that and almost have a have a new following of, of people that are interested in the club and want to help the club too. So that's been a really nice kind of side benefit from it. Uh, obviously, you're an intelligent person uh, <laughs> as well, but doing that on the side, uh, creating more opportunities for yourself away from football yeah. uh, through just coaching, I know you do a lot of stuff in the gym, video mm, stuff and that mm. to educate goalkeepers. Obviously, I'm doing this podcast right now to pass on some education and some knowledge to, to any listeners that want yeah. want that. Uh, did you ever find uh, there was a point that you went, this is it, this is the moment that like everyone started watching? Was there one video that you went, that was it, like that was the moment? Uh, not at the time. I look back and we had one video before I went to Gibraltar 
and it went mad. And I look at the stats now and it was bonkers. It got like 100,000 views in a day. But at the time, I didn't understand YouTube and I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And I didn't even think about Please it. Please tell me you're talking about the sales goalie wars. Yeah, you? that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And like, it just... Goalie wars bangs. Yeah, it just that's popped off. Facts, that's all it is. Absolutely popped off. And like, I, I, I think we went from like 2,000 to 10,000 subscribers in about a week. And But I didn't have any concept of how that was or whether that was good or not. We were just carrying... I think we did a Q&A the next week. We just carried on doing what <laughs> we were doing. Like we didn't have any idea. But looking back now, that really worked. That really worked. And I mean, I've always been really conscious that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a goalkeeper. I want to be a goalkeeper. I want to be the best professional goalkeeper that I can be. And I do this on the side. Yeah. I'm not a YouTuber that's playing in goal. And I've never wanted to get distracted by that and start trying to chase views or chase channel growth because then I know it will move away from the original kind of mission statement of why I did it, which was to kind of document a process, good and bad. And I'm sure that has sacrificed growth at some times that I could have done different things to get more people, to get more numbers, to to grow a real big channel. But that's not my focus at the minute. Maybe that will change when I stop playing and I can move more into that and work more on it. But yeah, all the way through, it's been about trying to be the best goalkeeper that I can be and learning and growing and improving. And, and this is on the side. So I've always made sure that that's the focus and that that's important to me with that. Uh, that resonates with me. Obviously, mm. I'm still playing. Yeah. Uh, my sole focus is about winning every week. Exactly. Uh, but I know I do this podcast and uh, some people will openly go, that must be a distraction. It's yeah. not. It's actually helping me educate myself. Exactly. Uh, I'm taking. I'm. I'm learning off every guest that comes mm -hmm. on. So why is that not making me better? Mm -hmm. uh, so it, you, you do get that clouded judgment from some people, but we're all open to criticism. Yeah, that is course. the nature and of our I, job. And you, you have to take it. I mean, it's the same as getting shouted at from behind the goal on a Saturday. Like you, you just kind of get on with it. But I, again, I look back in in my history and I think, okay, the one time where I just had football. That was my worst year performance level. When I was doing my academics alongside it, when I was balancing things, when I was working on things, it made me productive in all other areas of my life. And I understand the people that say, you have to have a plan A, otherwise it won't fail, just chase plan A. And I get it, but I've always enjoyed doing other things. And if that makes me more productive, if that helps me to be better in every aspect of my life, then that's been really beneficial to me. So other people might be different, but... Obviously, for me and for you, we found that actually it enhances our goalkeeping. So I also think since Ben Foster started yeah. doing it, it's yeah. become a lot more widely acceptable because a Premier League international goalkeeper did it. Yeah, so everybody sure. else is like, now we're all playing catch up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Even though you started before mm -hmm. him, everyone's going, well, if he did it, it's all right for everyone else. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've had, I have had comments on mine where it's like, when you order Ben Foster off Wish, which was pretty much <laughs> fair enough, I think. Like, he absolutely smashed it. And like, I loved seeing it yeah. because that was what we were trying to do. We were, so many different people within that kind of goalkeeping community to see someone like him doing that and documenting his kind of journey and what he's doing and, and showing the insight of it I absolutely loved it and I know obviously hundreds of thousands of people loved it so yeah he's he's been ace right from Gibraltar then you yeah. moved your next move you did move to Sweden yeah so you've moved all around Europe so far you, yeah you're now in Sweden yeah how is that adjustment in life obviously you've you've got a girlfriend you've mm. mentioned mm. uh moving from city to city must be tough because yeah. it's a whole new language a whole new environment yeah you're going to a new club. You've got to prove yourself all over again. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the Sweden move was funny because it was COVID lockdown, spring, summer of 2020. I'm sure we all remember what we were doing. Um, I was literally at home. Gibraltar League had been cancelled and I was just training at home, just training. And I was training like a madman. I was just like smashing two, three sessions every day in the garden, in the park and like made a little gym at home. And um, I was literally just trying to find anywhere to play. And so many of the lower leagues had stopped in, obviously, in England, around Europe. Sweden was one of the only countries where they carried on with their football. And I was looking at it and I was just battering everyone I knew that had ever had any association with Sweden. I was like, do you know a club that needs a goalie? Just looking for it. And someone came back and said, there's this club called Pitya. They're in the fourth tier in Sweden. Their goalie's just broken his wrist. Do you fancy it? And I was like, yep, sign me up. Didn't know where they were. Like, didn't know anything about Pitya. Looked it up. It's about two hours south from the Arctic Circle. Wow. So it's right at the top of Sweden. Flew up there in the summer of 2020 and amazing place, brilliant club. Um, so family oriented, really looked after me and obviously Frankie, my girlfriend as well. And and he, I just threw myself into it because I thought, well, I've been waiting for this, chance to play football again. That's all I wanted to do. And um, 
yeah, we had a great time. We we won the league that year. We got promoted into the third tier. We we ended up coming top half in the second year when we were like relegation favourites. And we just, we built a really nice group and just had a great time. And, and such an isolated town in the middle of nowhere that me and Frankie, we loved it. And we made so many friends. The football was great. And and again, another stage of my career, being a number one, playing loads of games, building my reputation within a new country. Um, yeah, it was just great fun. I had a great time. Sometimes the isolation aspect of it, you know, mm. when you're in that one football yeah. town city or yeah. when you're away from a lot of people, like you said, it builds a great dressing room. Yeah. The only thing I found with that when I was at Aberdeen is that every day off you saw everyone still. Yeah. You couldn't go yeah. to Starbucks without no, bumping into four or five true. people. That's we, true. There was this one point in Aberdeen, like you'd open up the group chat and four people would write in this group chat, this film's crap. And you're like, oh my God. And you'd look around and you could see other people's phone lights on. Yeah, exactly. That's how small it is at times. Yeah, and I mean, we had one cinema, we had one bowling alley, we had one coffee shop. So whichever one you went to, you'd see See some of the lads. And I mean, luckily we had a nice group and we all got on really well. We we all enjoyed it. So if you probably didn't enjoy the dressing room, it might have been a bit more difficult. What's the extremities and weather like? Uh, Coldest day I had, minus 29. Coldest outdoor training session I did, minus 16. How how do you feel your fingers in that? Uh, you just got to keep moving. Like, snood up, hat on, just wrap up. It's bad enough it. in the UK. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing my, my dad says to me now. So I've done pre-season in Madrid, which was 39, 40 degrees. I've done pre-season in Sweden, where it was like minus 20 degrees. Anything in the middle, I'm happy now. I'm all right. Like, if, if I'm, I'm back here in Macclesfield, it's raining, chucking it down. Everyone's like, oh, this is horrible weather for football. I'm loving it. It's great. As long as I can feel my hands, I'm, I'm happy. It must have been great for the views as well to, like, show the total different lifestyle, the adjustment in the football standards yeah. uh, as well. Yeah. And also carrying on your journey. You've obviously built up a great audience from that as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think people have enjoyed that. Yeah. I think they've enjoyed seeing different places, different types of football, different leagues, um, and just approaching it with a we're just going to enjoy it and throw ourselves into it kind of attitude. And and I found that everyone that's watched the videos have, have been similar with that. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping they've enjoyed it, but I'm, it seems like they have. I think it's obviously because it's so personal to you. Mm. It's your training sessions, mm. but you're also trying to help people. It, mm. There's like a, a natural nature element to it. It's, yeah. That's why people are, you find you endearing. Yeah, well, I mean... I always think if I was a kid, what would I want to see? Like, what would I want to learn if I could kind of have that direct line to a, to a goalkeeper that's doing this as a job? What would I want to take from it? And um, that's what I always try and come back to. I'm trying to give value as much as possible with each kind of video that we make. So if as long as someone can, as long as one person can take one thing from it, then I know that video is happy, whether it gets 10 views or 10,000, 100,000 views, like... It doesn't matter as long as someone takes something from it and, and it helps them with their game because I know I'd have loved it as yeah. a kid. That's the thing. I think it's so much more accessible now that mm. I've got two kids. Uh, they just watch YouTube. They don't watch TV anymore. Yeah. So anything that they can learn, I, I'm trying to practice, like, preach to them. Mm. Like Watch more educational videos mm. on YouTube instead of just watching like, yeah. celebrities do things. Yeah. And, they're massive fans of like football videos, especially my little boy, Bobby. Yeah. He loves watching Billy Wingrove videos. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's actually amazing how that, the the new, uh, like young people coming yeah. now, they're learning so much more through the internet. Well, if you think when, I mean, when I was a kid, I'm thinking, obviously you, you had Match of the Day, you had like, like I said, Revista della Liga when it was on Sky. Like I'd just sit and I'd try and watch the goalies, but obviously most of it's the outfield play. Like you, you see the occasional goal or save or whatever, but if you could have access to a full specific thing on, on our on our position, yeah. which is so niche, I'd have loved it. I'd have just been on it all the time. And I mean, I am now even like watching your stuff, watching Ben's stuff. Like you, you find the goalkeeping union, everyone pulls together. And like I said, everyone enjoys each other's stuff and helps each other. So um, yeah, as, as if there's goalies out there then and they can take something from it, I'd encourage them to find whatever they can and, and learn from it. Like you said, the goalkeeping community, we are a community. Everyone yeah. will say that we get around a campfire, play our band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're not allowed it, to come, so yeah, they exactly. say what they want. It's, it's like a, <laughs> they're not invited to that party yet. Uh, but yeah, obviously, we all do look after each other. It's one of those things that I've spoke about that when you after a game, you can't wait to actually shake the other goalkeeper's hand yeah. and say, well done, or what about that save? Yeah. Or I thought that was a difficult situation. Yeah. And it's because you're so involved in your own state of mind and your own goalkeeping ability that you actually enjoy watching other people play. And you you do benefit off that. You learn off other people. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to have to re- re- record match of the day on VHS, rewind it, and I'd be re-watching it. Yeah. And like, that's how far that it's evolved now yeah. that like 
everything's so accessible. It's amazing. I mean, we just get it. We we get that other person in that position and no one else does. Everyone's an expert, but we're actually the one that goes, we understand whether they've had a brilliant game or a tough game. We've been there. Like we've all had shockers. We've all had worldies and you can relate to each other. So it is unique and it is special. So you'll always look after other goalkeepers with it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to be a part. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Matt Smith, and this is the Glove Review on the Yours, Mine Away podcast. All right, before we continue, can we talk some gloves? Oh, yeah. Always talking gloves. Yep. Right, so what gloves are you currently wearing? I'm on the Callier gloves at the moment, so you can grab one if yep. you want. But um, yeah, so I saw these ones behind, so that's yep. nice to see. I'm glad that you've got them on there. Big Joe Hart's gloves behind Very there. impressive glove wall. Um, these Thanks. ones slightly different. So these are the Powerlight model, uh, the negative cut, which is my kind of personal favorite. Um, these are what I've been wearing basically this last season. They've got a whole new range kind of coming out, which which will be next year, but... These were the ones that I was wearing this last season gone. So I actually played a football against the owner in when Kenny, Kenny Arthur. Yeah. Uh, he played in Scotland. And when I first made my debut, I think it might have been my debut season for Falkirk. I think I actually came across Kenny back then. Uh, he's someone I've recently got in contact with through yeah. one of my old goalkeeper coaches, Paul yeah. Mathers, who's gone into coaching for the, the SFA. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Kenny's a, obviously a great person. Well, Kenny's as well. a legend. And, he, and he's him and Greg and everyone involved in Cali, they've done a great job in kind of building... The brand, I mean, I've been with them since uh, probably about 2019, I think. That was roughly the time that he had KA gloves. Yeah, and it transitioned, it transitioned into, into, into Calia, exactly. And and from speaking with him then, they've always looked after me really well. I've always enjoyed working with them. We've done some really cool projects. Like we did stuff with Joe for his new gloves. And and now to see keepers like that wearing his gloves and wearing wearing the Calia gloves, um, it's brilliant to see how much the the brand is growing, but they're great people. Kind of obviously UK based, like you yeah. say, in Scotland, and I've I've loved working with them. And but I wouldn't do it if the gloves weren't great. Yeah, like of like we say with goalkeeping, that's the most important thing. So I, I absolutely love the gloves. I love playing with them, and it's just an added bonus that, that the company. Are, are uh, what, what what size are you? Nine. Nine. Yeah, that's pretty standard now. Yeah. Uh, we had Big G in last week, oh, uh, yeah. and he was actually a size twelve. And I'm a size 11, and I was like, wow, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah. I mean, like you say, you're seeing some that, I, I remember you talking on, on previous episodes, some that like the massive gloves, like to wear as big as possible, some that like it as tight as possible, the smaller ones. So it's nice to see how many different variations you have. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure I could hack a 12. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I came through, uh, obviously I've spoke about it when I was at Arsenal and that, Jens Lehmann used to practice spreading his fingers apart. So he'd walk around the building, just even like if it's just a lunch, he'd walk around spreading his hands just so that he, he visually would like, it, you'd be looking at his hands. You couldn't help it. Yeah. He'd be walking around like this <laughs> and you'd be like, what's he doing? And then like, he, I think he naturally would wear bigger gloves than he had to. Yeah. Uh, it's just like that perception of like, oh, his hands are massive. Never going to score. I mean, I mean, as a United fan growing up, Jens Lehmann used to be like, unbelievable keeper unbelievable. and you'd just be like God get out the way and he did away with his big hands yeah. I remember met plenty of saves his big Nike vapour gloves yeah on. exactly big white ones just coming out of nowhere but yeah what a keeper uh, so obviously you've spoke about the cut and that is there yeah. anything that you specifically ask for in a glove I still wear the spines uh, a lot of mm. people's oh nice but, but obviously you've got the straps on them yeah uh, is there anything that you have grown to love or um, hate about a glove? I like it to be tight on my hands. Like I like to feel like it's just an extension of my hand. I don't want kind of excess 
material or kind of if it's getting wet, anything getting soggy or anything like that. And I mean, as we can see from here, they're getting so streamlined nowadays. I, I do like to have a strap. I, I like to have some form of strap. I mean, I've played with strapless gloves, but I do prefer some sort of strap. And I mean, like you, like I say, the, the, the negative cut almost gives me that feeling where it feels like just an extension of my hand. So that's the main thing. And, and if they look cool, obviously, it makes you feel good too. How, how often do you change your gloves? How many matches do you normally wear them for? I'm not bad. Like I mean, I'm fortunate now, obviously, that, that Cali are looking after me. But I mean, I probably still change them I probably wear a pair for about a month. So yeah. I wear three or four games, I'll wear a pair. I'm not one of these ones that wants to change it every game. I'm, I'm not that fussed. I actually prefer to wear them in a little bit. So I'll, I'll go through a week of training with them before I try and get them into a game. I like to have a bit more feel to them. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not that fussed about going through them all the time. I know people that do, um, but I'll still wear kind of three, four games. Do you remember there. the first pair of gloves you ever owned? Yeah, I it's had such a nostalgic thing. Yeah, this yeah. is like it brings back that memory. Everyone apart, gets this glint in yeah. their eyes. Apart from the little, you know, gardening gloves with like the 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 what is it? The rubber bubbles. <laughs> the rubber bubbles on the front, exactly. Apart from them, I remember having an Adidas pair of finger save dark blue. I can't remember what they were called, but it's dark blue on the back with like a silver disc with Adidas, and they had the spines in them. And I, that was when I was about nine, and I loved them. Uh, and growing up, I I wore spines in mine when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it's. The Adidas ones going through, I, I really liked when I was younger. Because, I mean, again, Edwin van der Sar used to wear Shea them. Shea Given. Shea Given. I was a massive fan of both of them. Yeah. So, like, I, I'd, I'd love getting them off, off like, just, just for keepers or whatever, just keepers, and be anxiously waiting. And you'd build up the courage over months to ask Dad for his credit card to maybe get a new pair. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you'd get maybe one a year and you were an absolute buzzing. But, yeah. It's mad when you were a kid, you used to make gloves last. Football boots had to oh, last yeah. a season. And if you got two or three pairs during a season, you was delighted. Yeah, buzzing. Uh, and they were really worn by Christmas, yeah, really bad. Sure. Holes and in the thumbs and all sorts. That was the first thing on every Christmas is I want a new football kit and I want a new pair of gloves. Yeah, unbelievable. Santa, Santa was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, as I said, you're currently out of contract. Yeah. Uh, what is it like now? Uh, what are you up to? Obviously, you're, you're training on your own as yeah. much as possible. Yeah, I mean, I've been... So I can't, uh, the Swedish season's a little bit different. So we run from April to November. So... Again, I was with PTO last year. We finished the season. We did we did well. We beat the kind of previous season's targets, but I felt like I'd kind of come to the end of of being at PTO and I was ready for a new challenge. And um, I still feel like I would like to go back and continue playing in Sweden. There's been some stuff where I could potentially go back and I'm still kind of waiting and, and talking with that. Um, but again, at this point, when you're kind of out of contract, you, it's... Uh, you're a bit apprehensive because you're not sure what's going to happen. You're a bit nervous. You're a bit kind of almost stressed. I think it's uh, probably worse for Frankie not knowing where she's going to end That's up exactly going. It. People don't realise how the stress it has on your family. Yeah, are. exactly. And I mean, we're used to it by now. We've done it a fair few times. Yep. But it, it still gives you that a couple of nights where you're kind of tossing and turning and, and thinking what's going to happen. But it also gives you the excitement. There's so much potential opportunity out there to do where, whether I might come back and play in England again, try a different country. But... Like I say, I'd I'd like to continue playing in Sweden. I think there's going to be some kind of potential to, to keep doing that. But yeah, at the minute, it's a, it's a bit of a wait and see. Obviously, the transfer window's open for pretty much everyone yeah. around the world in yeah. January. So yeah. like you said, you've got to keep your option open. Keep, yeah. It's a horrible feeling. I've been there myself where you're sat by the phone. Yeah. You're either waiting for an agent to phone you. You're 100%. waiting for clubs to phone you. You're trying to be proactive, even using the likes of LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, which it. is a great way of connecting with people. You're using all these different tools mm. to just try and get that opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much kind of talk through the season. I think that's the hard thing that I've found to balance is I've always kind of felt, right, in the season, I just want to focus on my football. I just want to smash it as much as possible because then at the end, that'll speak for itself and create an opportunity. But then you get to the end and realize, actually, this goes on all year round. You need to be making connections. You need to be talking to people. You need to be building relationships to try and find that next place where you're going to play so yeah it's exactly that going through linkedin talking to people sending messages trying not to be too um aggressive with your with your prodding but at the end of the day you, you've got to create something so like we've seen in the past sometimes you've got to think outside the box with it but um yeah it's, uh, it's always fun and that's the thing you, you try and connect the dots yourself you're, mm. you're looking for injuries mm. and obviously you're more open than most as well because you're willing to travel anywhere yeah, exactly but you're, you are looking on Team sheets, you're going, that goalkeeper got subbed off. Is there yeah. an injury there? Is there yeah. possibly an yeah. opening? Yeah. I uh, don't think people 
quite appreciate how stressful these sort of moments can be. Yeah. But like you said, it, it's exciting on one hand because mm. you are you are sat by the phone going, oh my God, I'm moving to Dubai tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then you could get another phone call saying, actually, you've got a better offer in yeah. Kazakhstan. Yeah. And you just don't know. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, I mean, almost kind of naively, I think some people think because now having played in different places, built a reputation, people actually following, knowing what I can do as a goalkeeper, you think that that might create more, but you're in the same position as everyone else when you stop. It's a, it's not the most stable of careers as an athlete. You know that anything can happen at any point, but you just have to seize those opportunities. And like you say, stay positive with it, uh, hunt things down, be patient, and um, yeah, and trust in trust in the process and the plan, and and I'm sure something. Happens. And with your education background, mm. uh, are you looking to to develop that more as well? Are you looking for business opportunities? Or I mean, I or you you still I, I uh, don't. Uh, I think it'll be a while until I do another course. exam. Like yeah. <laughs> sitting down in the exam hall. Like I did think uh, my brother and my sister they went on to do masters, and I thought, oh, no, I can't. I can't be doing that at the minute. So I've really enjoyed building the channel. I've really enjoyed building that side of things. We've been doing kind of. Um, uh, training programs as well for goalkeepers so whether that's in the gym or distribution or plyometrics we've been building those training programs all the things that I've learned from these experts in these different areas of goalkeeping I want to be able to package together and, and give to people that don't have a goalie coach or don't have access to that so we've been doing that through the website and there's more stuff that I'd like to continue to build on that side um, but like I said before, at the minute, at this point in my career, I still there's a, still a lot of things I want to do on the pitch. So that's always going to be my focus for now. Um, finally, I wanted to get round to like finishing off with you, your YouTube channel. You've yeah. got over seventy five thousand subscribers. Yeah, your, your highest video has done I think three hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, views. As that that continues, are you are you trying to develop that more into being? Uh, more content, mm. uh, obviously more content driven, but mm. alongside your career or mm. do you see that as I want to go into coaching? Have you taken any steps in that? Um, I never saw myself as a coach. I've never kind of seen myself as that would be what I want to do. I do like the media side of things. I do enjoy building the channel. I know that when I finish playing or come towards the end of my career, I'll move to more focus on that and where that might take me. I mean, we say it a lot. There's there's a lot of room, I think, for kind of goalkeeping an analysis within media. There's, yeah. uh, I know you'll think the same and I know that that's an opportunity that that people will want to get into but I want to keep doing what we're doing in terms of documenting the journey but I think now that I'm building connections with people like yourself people like Joe people like all these goalkeepers I'd, I, I I would like to get them more involved and, and learn more from them uh, in the, in video format or whatever so yeah, there's lots of exciting stuff that I'd like to keep going on that side of things, yeah. Yeah, and that's something that I'm really enjoying doing while I do my mm. degree in journalism. Mm. Uh, it's just something that I, I can't quite go into a coaching yet. Yeah. Uh, I could do it in the evenings, yeah. but this is a way of reaching a, a lot bigger of an audience, yeah. similar to your YouTube channel. I'm trying to work out my own space for after football. 100%. And I think if, like we said before, if you were a kid and you could have access to someone like yourself that's had the career that you've had and, and even where you're playing at the minute and congrats on the results by the way recently been smashing it to be able to to access the bank of knowledge that you've built up over such a career that's so valuable to so many people so it, i've loved it i'm learning a lot from it so just keep going with it thank you very much uh, and i hope you find a club soon uh, no, any help i can offer in that i will no, definitely I help it. along I appreciate it. but uh, unfortunately that's all we've got time for today connor's been an amazing guest with some great insight uh the trials and tribulations, like I said, to being a goalkeeper and also creating so much extra content that's out there for people to please go and follow. Uh, any young goalkeepers out there, some great training clips, there's some great stuff in the gym that you could really benefit from. Thank you for coming on, no, mate. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. This has been the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. All the best, guys. Thank you very much. What a save from Mark Howard. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.